Welcome to the Say Yes to Holiness podcast. I'm Christina Simmons, your host, and thanks for joining me today as I seek to inspire, encourage, and accompany you on the journey towards holiness by sharing food for the head, heart, hands, and feet, all so we may grow closer to God, become more like Jesus, and through friendship, discover the life God created us for, lives of purpose, peace, and abundance, rooted in the hope that with God's grace and mercy, we can become the living, breathing, wonder-working saints that the world so desperately needs today. Hello and welcome to episode 65, Being God's Hope, Love, and Joy to All Those Around Us. This week, I focus upon how it is that we can dive ever deeper into these great mysteries and graces of the Easter season, but particularly how it is that we can experience God's hope and his love and joy, and how we can express that to those around us, how we can be looking for God's love, how we can be God's love, and in the doing of that, we are able to be hope and joy to those around us. So I hope that you enjoy this episode and all the food for the head, heart, hands, and feet that is shared today. See you on the flip side. Hello, Christina Simmons from Say Yes to Holiness. So welcome to the Say Yes to Holiness podcast. And what I wanted to share right now was how it is that as we're kind of concluding the Easter season, we're drawing close to the Ascension, preparing for Pentecost. But I wanted to share some food for the head, heart, hands, and feet that are going to help you be able to continue to deepen your experience of the great joys of the Easter season, particularly hope and peace and love and increasing our faith. So the great theological virtues, but for us to be able to increase in those so that we truly are ready come Pentecost to receive the gifts of the Holy Spirit. So our food for the head comes from St. Augustine. And he says, now may our God be our hope. He who made all things is better than all things. He who made all beautiful things is more beautiful than all of them. He who made all mighty things is more mighty than all of them. He who made all great things is greater than all of them. Learn to love the creator in his creature and the maker in what he has made. Wow. So this is so important for us to, especially during this Easter season, when we're basking in the great graces of the resurrection, for us to truly be mindful of seeking out our creator in creation. And Easter, you know, tends to be, uh, it's always at the beginning of spring. So it's a perfect time for us to be mindful of that new birth of new life um, all around us. And St. Augustine's telling us, hey, look for the creator all around us and learn to love the creator more by loving what it is that the creator has made. And very simply, it's not just nature though. It's also each of us, because who and what is the creator made? You and me. So 
We're told in the book of Genesis, in fact, that man and woman are the preeminent example of God's creation. We've been made in God's own image and likeness. And therefore, when we are able to love the creature, then we are coming to a greater love of our creator. I think sometimes we struggle with this. We struggle with loving the creature before us because we're flawed. Um, you know, we have this disorderedness, is, which is attached to our concupiscence, our original sin of where those four fundamental relationships have been rush, ruptured, that relationship with God, with ourselves, with one another, and with nature. So we approach these relationships in a disordered way. And so we struggle to be able to love the creation, to love the creature that's before us. But when we do, when we are able to grow in love of the other, and remember, love is willing the good of the other. And that's why we, so it's easier to be able to love those whom are our family and our friends, those people who we like, because we're willing to will the good of them. So, but what we need to be mindful of is that the inverse is also true, just as by loving the creature, you know, uh, we come to a greater love of our creator, the same should happen for us as we come to love our creator, as we come to love God more deeply, then we should be growing in our love of his creation. We should be growing in love of his creatures. We should be able to, as, you know, St. Augustine explains, you know, be able to um, the God who made all things is better than all the best things, and he's more beautiful than the most beautiful things, and he's mightier than the mightiest things and greater than the greatest things. And we have to strive to try and live out this understanding of who God is, but uh, particularly in our relationship with creation and with one another. And that is why, you know, as we deepen our love for God, that should be deepening our love for creation. It should be deepening our love for one another, for our brothers and sisters in Christ. And we should be seeking to be a good friend, to be a good husband, to be a good you know, wife, to be a good mother, to be good brothers and sisters. And, you know, so we should be seeking to do this. Why? Because we're in love. And love, again, is willing the good of the other. So we should love all those creatures that have been entrusted to us, just like the Good Shepherd. We celebrated Good Shepherd Sunday a couple of weeks ago. And the fact is, is that the model of the Good Shepherd is important because a Good Shepherd loves all the creatures that are entrusted to him, even smelly, stinky sheep. <laughs> and all of this is a smelly, stinky sheep. It's just that simple. But that being said, we are also all marvelous creatures. And God has created us to be that way. And when we are able to care for those entrusted to us, when we are able to rejoice in creation, then this increases our joy and our love and our hope. And that's how we can have God as our hope. This is how we are able to increase our hope is because we are able to come to grow in love of God and his creatures. So our food for the heart comes from St. Bernardine of Siena. And St. Bernardine says, 
the last degree of love is when he gave himself to us to be our food because he gave himself to be united with us in every way. St. Bernadine points out the essence of what we've been reflecting upon throughout the daily masses for the most part for most of the Easter season. And that's John chapter six, the bread of life discourse. And in the bread of life discourse, Jesus shares with us, he gives us his teachings about what, or more importantly, who is present in the Eucharist. And it's Jesus, it's God incarnate. It's his body, blood, soul, and divinity. That is who is present in Holy Eucharist. And what's sad is, is that recent statistics, so this is pre-pandemic, and I think it might have actually, the number might have gone up, but uh, just before the pandemic, is that statistics said that no more than two-thirds of all Catholics state that they do not believe in this reality. Yeah, not that they believe in this reality, but they do not believe in the reality that Jesus is truly present body, blood, soul, and divinity in the Holy Eucharist. And, you know, the belief is that it's just a symbol. So uh, as, I, as I joke many times and say, we're really Protestant Catholics, well, that's a Protestant understanding that it's just a symbol, but that's not the case. Jesus is really and substantially present in the body and blood, which is made available to, to us every time we come to Mass, every time we come forward to receive Jesus in Holy Communion. He is really and substantially present. And even when we're not physically present, these graces are still available to us through the Holy Spirit, through making a spiritual communion. And we can make a spiritual communion at any time. We don't have to have watch mass virtually or to be at mass in order to make a spiritual communion. This is how we can unify ourselves with Jesus, you know, in a, in a more powerful way. But many times we doubt this truth. And I think, you know, why do we doubt the reality that we're told, that Jesus told us, and that the church has been teaching and telling us for more than, you know, two millennia? I think honestly, if we're really truthful with ourselves, it's because we doubt God's love for us. We doubt that, you know, in the analogy of the shepherd leaving his 99 sheep to go find the one who wandered off, we doubt the height and the depth and the width and the breadth of that kind of love. I know I do. I know that I struggle with that periodically. That was my main struggle that I had with even believing that there was God is because I was experiencing so much uh, exclusion and you know hurt and pain. And I'm like, if there really is a God, I'm not feeling the love. But my encounter with him disabused me of that, of where when he told me, Christina, even if you'd been the only one, I would have given all of myself on the cross for you. And this is something for us to always be very mindful about, is that when we doubt, okay, God's love for us, then it's a lot easier to doubt that God would love us so much 
that he would humble himself to become our food. I mean, not only become our food, he's not a steak. He's not a filet mignon. You know, he's bread. He's the simplest of foods. And, you know, when, when we doubt that, God wants to be united to us in every way possible. You know, I think we struggle. I know I do with that because we don't want to be united with ourselves. We look at ourselves and we go, I'm not worthy. I've messed up. I'm sinful. Why would God want to be united with me? So we forget how good and loving and merciful God is. We forget the fact that he thirsts for us. But this is the paradox of sacrificial love, isn't it? That is the very paradox that we're presented with every time we come to Mass. That when we come to receive Holy Communion, we're presented with the fact that God loves us so much. that, And then he wants to be united with us so desperately that we doubt it. And we doubt that we can be united with him. We doubt that we can be transformed. We doubt the power of what is present. And when we doubt, then we prevent ourselves from being transformed. Because God doesn't do anything without our yes. He doesn't do anything without our permission. So first, we have to believe. First, we have to believe that God loves us that desperately, that he desires us this much, and he wants to be united with us in every way. So our food for the hands comes from Blessed Charles de Foucault. He says, we must stand up for the rights of our neighbor who is suffering from injustice. We must defend them all the more vigorously because we see Jesus present in them. Surely this is our duty because of our love for others for his sake. We have no right to be sleeping watchmen or dumb watchdogs. Whenever we see evil, we must sound the alarm. So there's all different ways that we could go with this, with what we could focus upon. We could focus upon the fact that we have to stand up for our neighbor, the fact that we have to defend them because we see Jesus present in them. Um, and this is what love is. Love is to will the good of the other and it's because we recognize Christ in them and hopefully they recognize Christ in us. But the essence of to be a loving friend, a loving spouse, a loving parent is that when we see suffering and danger, we say, stop, don't, don't, don't walk over the cliff. Danger, danger, Will Robinson, danger. Yeah, I'm, I'm dating myself with that one. <laughs> so, um, but the fact is, is that when we see suffering and danger, especially when it's caused by injustice, we have to be willing to defend and protect and to step out and to guide and to help people who are being impacted. We have to be willing to see Christ in them so much that we are willing to lay down our lives for them. And one of the best ways that we can do this is by practicing the corporal and spiritual works of mercy. We do all things out of love for Christ 
who's present in our brothers and sisters. But this is exactly why we call each other brothers and sisters, is because we see Christ in the other. And our job is to try and become Christ for them, to allow Christ to work in us and to transform us in so profound a way that they're able to recognize Christ immediately and to know his love and to experience his care for them. So we don't get the luxury of sleeping watch, being sleeping watchmen or being negligent watchdogs. We have to rise up and stand for the rights of our suffering neighbors. We have to defend them with all our strength, with all of our minds, with all of our hearts, because it's truly Christ whom we're defending. Regardless of what we might think of the person that is before us, we must think of them as Christ. We must encounter them as Christ. And we have to strive to do this each day to the best of our ability, especially when we see evil. Especially when we see evil. And we've got to sound the alarm and we've got to grab our weapons and rush to defend those who are unable to defend themselves. That's the great call to heroism that we have. That's the great call that we have to holiness. And what's our greatest weapon? Our rosary, our prayers, but also our opportunity to be able to defend and to protect and to right injustices where we can. Our food for the feet comes from St. Bonaventure. And he says, Men do not fear a powerful, hostile army as the powers of hell fear the name and protection of Mary. Just as I was saying, what are our greatest weapons that we get to grab? The rosary. The rosary is our greatest weapon. And this is how we can run to the defense of our brothers and sisters. This is how we can uh, intercede for them. This is how we can protect them guard them. This is how we're able to help guide them is through the intercession of Mary. So what do we need to do? We need to become a part of the army of Mary. And how do we do that? It's real simple. We follow her model and we say yes. We say yes to allowing her to make the best use of all of our thoughts, our words, our actions each and every day for whatever is most needed in the world at that moment. And we're able to trust and to do this because we know that Mary is completely in union with the Holy Trinity. And therefore, God's will is always being done. So we need to remember that Mary's army is comprised of any man, woman, child, okay, who says yes and consecrates themselves to Mary. What's a consecration you know, mean? It means that we're just trust in Mary. St. John Paul II's motto was totus tuus, totally yours. He made his consecration simply by saying, Mary, I'm all yours. And this is all we have to do. Mary, I'm all yours. I'm all yours to do with as you wish. Just as Mary said to you know, the angel Gabriel, you know, I am your humble servant. Do, be it done unto me according to thy word. In the same way, when we trust ourselves to Mary, she does the same for us. She helps us be able to be the most humble, 
the most trusting and the most courageous because we're setting aside our plans and we're entrusting that Mary is going to ensure that all is cared for according to God's will. And we're courageous enough to not even care what the world thinks about what we're doing. And we pray. We pray the rosary. We pray and offer sacrifice for reparation of sin, our own and that of others. And we bring others to Mary so that she can bring them to Jesus. This is what a Marian consecration is. It's just simply to entrust ourselves to Mary, just like Jesus did. This is how we're able to fight injustice. This is how we're able to help God transform the world. This is how we're able to be in union with God in every single moment of our lives. This is what we are to be about. This is our call. The call to say yes to holiness. So what are some resolutions that you might take from our conversation today? So how is it that we might be able to be God's hope and love and joy for those around us? So one way could be to remember that anytime that you're providing hope in the midst of despair, that that's bringing joy. Um, that that's one thing that we can do. It can be just an encouraging word. It could be a smile. It's something that many times is just very simple. But whenever we do that, we are helping to bring hope and joy. Another way is for us to forgive others, to give them back the dignity and possibility of a future, not just with yourself, but then also with others in a community. Um, anytime that you listen to others and affirm them. You're bringing them hope and joy and expressing God's love. Anytime that we speak truth in public or confront injustice, these are all times that we can be God's love, um, but especially how we can provide hope to others. So these are some resolutions that we can put into practice each and every day, and I hope that they serve you. Are you struggling to gain clarity with your life right now? Are you trying to figure out how it is that you can build sustainable habits in your spiritual life? Well, one of the things I do in a free 15-minute consultation is to help you gain clarity on what it is that you're seeking and how to go deeper in your spiritual life. So make sure to reach out to me and let's talk today. Thanks again for spending time with me today. If you have any suggestions for upcoming podcasts, please leave me a voicemail using the link in the podcast show notes or message me through the Say Yes to Holiness Facebook page at Say Yes to Holiness through my website at www.sayyestoholiness.com or send an email directly to me at Christina Simmons at gmail.com. I look forward to the opportunity to continue the conversation we have begun here. In the interim, please know my continued prayers for you and your loved ones, especially that each of us may continue to strive to do whatever it takes in order to grow in holiness as we continue to tell the master of death, not today. I look forward to having a conversation 
again with you soon.